If you do remember from last year what we did, I'd be very impressed because as we were talking about this in the staff meeting, I couldn't remember what we did last year. Um, and we, we uh, called it Resolve, and I, I like that as a title for us. And it came out of the fact that we were looking at Daniel chapters 1, 2, and 3. And out of Daniel's 1, 2, and 3, there is this moment in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, where it says Daniel resolved. And so we were looking at it within the context of what Daniel was within, and he was living in Babylon, Daniel and his friends, and they were facing different types of perils. And so in chapter one, we uh, looked at their, uh, there was kind of a moral ethical peril that they were in. And then in chapter two, there's a physical peril. Their their lives were actually being threatened. And then in chapter three, uh, there was a spiritual peril. They were being asked to worship the image of God. In other words, they were being asked to worship the state. And so we were looking at uh, 1 Daniel 1, conscience in the face of that peril. And then in chapter 2, we had clarity in the face of peril. And in chapter 3, we had courage in the face of peril. And like any good preacher, you like those three C's, and that made me happy. I don't know if it made you happy, but that's, it made me happy. So, so we live in a, and we, we live in much in the same kind of time period that Daniel uh, does, or did, sorry, did, and uh, in, in this place called Babylon. And Babylon basically is symbolic of a place and people who are, so see if this generally sounds true of us in our day, Babylon symbolically is that of a people who are in rebellion against God. Does that sound familiar? We live in a culture that's in rebellion against God. Stubbornly self-sufficient in rejection of depending upon God. So we would rather not depend upon God. Thirdly, lustful for power and glory. And then last, identifying ultimate meaning and hope in the autonomous self. So the self is the one who makes meaning and decides how things are going to be. So when we look at God's story, uh, we see this, uh, this Babylon, and we see the first time this Babylon comes up is actually in, in, uh, in Genesis with Babel. And with Babel, that's kind of the, the precursor, the forerunner there in Genesis 11, where there's this tower, this Ephesus, Edifice, thank you very much. Edifice, you can help me along the way here, was built to make a name for humanity in rejection of God's, God's mandate to be fruitful and make a name for God um, throughout the entire earth. So, so we have it at the beginning, and then, of course, we have Babylon. We have God's people. Uh, they are actually exiled to Babylon. And then it's, we come to the end of the story where we come to Revelation, and what do we have? We have John, the apostle, who takes Babylon as the picture for us, as a symbol for humanity's final rebellion. So in Revelation, there is this Babylon, a false religion described in terms of, now specifically, uh, it sounds, see how familiar this sounds, um, a rejection of God's authority. Does that sound familiar at all in our day? Rejection of God, God's authority, an exaltation of lusts and desires. Sexual sin will be rampant. Rebellion and hatred of God and the things of God will abound. And then a unity around the exaltation of humanity as the greatest good. So I, does, that sounds familiar, right? 
Y'all are looking at me like, no, does, does that nod your head if that sounds familiar? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay, so, so the more I was thinking about Daniel and his friends as I've been thinking about the context that they are living in and how Babylon is that which is symbolic, I, I, the more I was impressed with their resolve. And so thinking about that, I thought, you know, what kind of... What kind of men had they already resolved to be? And so for us, probably the best place for us to go, which is you can anticipate as you're looking there in the worksheet, and if you uh, had anything in terms of the understanding of our, uh, what we were gonna do today, what's the best place to go, but the place to go before the fall? How did God determine uh, to make men? What, what, what are men made for? And so that's why I wanted today to look in Genesis chapters uh, 1, 2, and 3. And so that's what we're, that's what we're going to do. So to get started, uh, we're going to look at a quote by Sam Keane in his book, Fire in the Belly. And Sam Keane is an American author, professor, and philosopher who's best known for his exploration of questions regarding life and love and religion, but particularly uh, what it means to be a male in contemporary society. And so this observation is made in the introduction of this book, again, Fire in the Belly, so there it is. And it goes this way, many men feel as if they are involved in a night battle in a jungle against an unseen foe. Voices from the surrounding darkness shout hostile challenges. Men are too aggressive too soft, too insensitive, too macho, too power mad, too much like little boys, too wimpy, too violent, too obsessed with sex, too detached to care, too busy, too rational, too lost to lead, too dead to feel. Exactly what, what, are, exactly what we are supposed to become is not clear. So now look at those hostile challenges. Those are challenges of what it means to be man. These are things that are being thrown out there. Uh, which one or ones have you heard? And where have you heard them? So now it's your turn to talk to us. Which ones have you heard or heard? One or ones have heard and where? What's the context? What's that? Toxic masculinity, which is not on here. And by the way, this is a dated book. So a couple, a decade or so. So yeah, toxic masculinity. And where do you hear that? Everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, where don't you hear that, right? Okay. Toxic masculinity. So what, what's that mean? What does toxic masculinity mean? Your natural character is wrong. There's something wrong with being a male, okay? Something wrong, but probably something more than that. What else does that seem to be indicating? When you hear the word toxic, what do, we, what do you think of? What's the th- first thing that's in your mind's eye? Poison, yeah, poison. It's, you know, the skull, skull and bones kind of thing that you see on, a, on, a, on some kind of poison. So it is not only, you know, uh, what, what, how'd you say it again? What'd you say? What's that? Okay, so your natural nature is wrong, but not only wrong, it's something that's poisonous. So yeah, so it's, it's wrong and poisonous. That's, yeah, I couldn't remember either, so how's that for a short-term memory? Um, any, any other words or any other thing that you think you might hear? That, that's probably the biggest one, yes. What's that? Man's what? Oh, yeah. 
I play Sue. Okay. Mansplain. Okay. Excellent. Okay. All right. Anything else? Yes. Josh. What? Soy boy. Okay. I really don't know these things. I, I got yours. What in the world is soy boy? Oh. Okay. Okay, so maybe two wimpy, ba- yeah, okay, okay, gotcha. All right, all right, wow. Man, I had no idea. Okay, one more, one more. <laughs> okay, so if you don't have a eunuch, you don't have any say on anything that would in any way affect a female as what is very particular to what it means to be a, to be a female. Okay, yeah, that's good. Okay, good. All right. Oh, you can't, you can't resist. All right, here we go. Patriarchy. Okay. And where have you heard, where have you heard that? Okay. So the man's at the top. Yeah. So patriarchy in the sense of it's negative, it's a negative connotation and there's some negative connotations that go with that. Okay. All right, all right, all right, well, good. So we, so we know that this is, this is real. This is the reality of the, of the world that we are living in. So where do we need to go? We need to go, well, what does God say? Before the fall, so this is what's helpful for us, is before the fall, what does God's word have to say in terms of what it means to be a man? So he, here we go. We are going to do uh, chapter one of Genesis today. And um, that's where we're gonna, we're gonna kind of hang out there. And by the way, this is where we are going, just in case if you didn't pick up a, a, a handout, they're out there uh, uh, right outside this door here. Um, we're gonna go, we're gonna, we're gonna do man. Men are called to be lords of the earth. So here you go, that's session one. Men are called to be husbandmen. And I'm gonna call that, uh, you know, you can also think creators and cultivators. And then men are called to be warriors. And, uh, and, and through it all, we're gonna, I hope to land back on Christ um, who as Pilate, you remember him, the one who had Jesus uh, officially killed or at least given over to his death, as Pilate so eloquently and unwittingly spoke the truth about Jesus when he brought him out before the people and he said, behold the man. How, he had no clue what he was saying there, but Jesus is the man. And so I hope that every time as we're coming through here and looking at these three things that we're thinking, we're coming back to Jesus and how does he fill uh, these things. So here we go. Men are called to be lords. And so we got Genesis chapter one and I don't, make sure you have your Bibles there. Uh, verse, beginning at verse 26 and we're gonna go through 31. Here we go. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 
So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit and you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so, and God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Now, several things I just wanna note here first. And obviously this is talking about when he says, when when we're reading verse 26 there, let us make man in our image and our likeness we are talking about both the male and the female at this point because he goes on and says, you know, male and female, he created them. But here, here, here's what I want us to think. We'll, we'll get to the male part in a minute here. So several things to note here is, first of all, the prerogative of the creator. So prerogative is spelled P-R-E-R-O, P-R-E-R-O-G-A-T-I-V-E, just in case you don't know how to spell that or if you care to spell that. Prerogative of the creator. So that's important. Um. Then God said, let us make man. So God's the one who's, who's the maker. He is the maker. And by the very nature of the relationship between the creator and the creation, the creation is not in a position to dictate to the creator how things are to be. And this seems so very obvious that you think, really, we've got to put that down? Yes, we've got to put that down. We actually have to think that through. See, all of scripture presumes this relationship of creation with creator, the creator with creation. So that it is not shocking to the Roman readers when they read Paul's words in Romans 9. This will shock you. It didn't shock them. Romans 9, did I have that one up there? Yeah, okay. But... Who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? So Paul, in in an argument, as he's talking about the sovereignty of God and he's talking about the election of God, Paul points out that it it is God who is the creator and those who are in his creation are not in a position to somehow reject what God has to do here or reject how God's gonna do things. And so this does not shock the readers, but it shocks us because we are, have been raised up in a kind of time and culture where we, what are we doing? We tell our, we hear it with our parents. Our parents say to their children, you can do anything you want to. And that's how we express it. But that's really not true. They can't just do anything that they want to. And I get the sentiment, we want them to you know, think big and you know, have vision and that kind of a thing. But in the end, no. We're not creators of our, of our, you know, of, of our, our future in one sense. Uh, like we can just do anything we want to. Um, so, so there is a creator and it's not us. So that's something we just gotta keep in mind. So that as we're thinking about these things, we need to be thinking about, okay, God's the one who's defining the terms, and then we, we submit to those to, to firm. Now, the beauty of this truth is that the creator is wise, and he's good, and he's kind, and we are not. 
And so that's the real beauty of the fact that he is the creator and we are not. So thus everything forward that we're gonna be reading here in Genesis chapter one uh, is wise and it's kind and it's good, all right? So keep reading, verse 26, he says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And then go down to verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now again, you see the words, uh, the creator's words, God created. So he created, emphasis here, prerogative of the creator. But you notice something else being repeated. So, so now, now guys, here's how you study the word of God. Here's, here's how you, every man here, every boy and man here can read the scriptures and actually study it. And you, one of the first things you do is you, you open up your Bible and you read a little portion, you read a little paragraph and every repeated word right there is an alert to you. So that's the first, one of the first things you can do to read your Bible for yourself is you read it and you, you, you hear a repeated word. That's something that says, oh, I think the author has something to say here that I need to be really paying attention to. So we find that here. So what is the repeated word uh, that we just read there um, in verse uh, 27? Well, well, in verse 26 and 27, there's another repeated word. What is it? Image. Okay, image. And what's the other word? What's the other word? Image and what? Still, I'll help you out here. Starts with an L. Image and likeness. Okay, so those, I think those two, those two words are, are, are the repeated word that we have here. So uh, repeated image and, and likeness. And what I want to focus here is not what it means. So, so he's, what he's saying is we are made in the image of God. We're made in the image of God, but I don't want to focus on exactly what all that means because that, that'll go on forever. Uh, but rather the purpose for being created in his image. And that is uh, number two on your sheet if you want to fill that in. Humanity, that is men and women are his stand-in. Men and women, humanity, are his stand-in here on earth. So we're his stand-in here on earth. So what is true of God is to be true of the man and be true of the woman. And as he his stand-in, what are they to do? Well, back to verse 26, where his stand-in, back to verse 26, this is what we're to do. Verse 26, the second part, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, okay? So it is, it is this command now that reveals something about us as human, humanity and that is it reveals this authoritative significance. So we have authority now as God's stand-in. All right, so number three there, humanity is to rule. Humanity is to rule. So perhaps you've heard it said it this way, we are his viceroys or vice regent. So if you've been part of the church or anything you might have heard, Genesis chapter one, a vice regent or viceroy is a ruler uh, of a country or a province who rules in the name of a king. And so a viceroy would, would go to another country on behalf of a king and rule for that king. As such, the vice regent's decisions were considered to be then the king's decision. I mean, that's, how, that's the kind of authority that they, that they had. It would be the one who would be made by the king. And so in this case, 
God says we are his stand-ins, his vice regents, his rulers, and uh, we are ruling on his behalf. So we have to rule in such a way that we reflect the wishes and desires of the king, the creator, the king. So this rule is important because the creator king repeats himself. Look at verse 28. So here's our repetition again. Look at second part of verse 28. Uh, He says, so he says to them, be fruitful. We just saw it in verse 26. So obviously this is important. Verse 28, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. But you say, the word here is dominion and not rule. So why do I say rule? Well, the Hebrew word for dominion means to reign with kingly, and here's our key word, kingly power. So when we see that word dominion, it's, it's kingly power. And it's not just having authority over, but authority, it's authority backed by might. And it means rule. So that's why I use the word rule. Now, that is how the Hebrew word is used elsewhere in Scripture. So uh, when Balaam gives an oracle concerning the nation of Israel coming into the promised land, he says of them, so remember that Balaam is, uh, <laughs> Balaam is supposed to be cursing God's people as they're getting ready to come into the promised land and God won't allow him to do it. And all he will do is he blesses God's people, unbeknownst of God's people. But he says, one from Jacob shall exercise dominion, there's our word, and destroy the survivors of the cities. Now that sounds like somebody who's got some power and might. That's what Balaam says. They're going to go in and they're going to destroy the survivors of the cities. That's that's authority with might. Balaam prophesied the destruction of pagan cities when he's using this word um, for the promised land. Now here's another example. Psalm 72 verses eight and nine says, may he also rule, there's our word, Dominion. May he also rule from sea to sea. Let the nomads of the desert bow before him and his enemies lick the, de- the dust. So in summary, first, the first word to note is dominion. And that dominion means rule. Okay. All right. But there's another word there in Genesis 1.28. Go back to Genesis 1.28. There's another word. It's subdue. Subdue. This word is one which means to tame or to use one's strength to bring order to something. So to tame it or to bring order to it. Now, this is before the fall. So uh, at this point, there's not a real combative relationship that we kind of feel with regards to the world around us, particularly with just the natural order of things. But uh, we feel that now, right? You feel that now? You feel the fights that you have to, you, the, sub, you know, the need to subdue that which is around you. Um, if you have a lawn or a garden in some form, there's these stupid things called weeds. And that, it, what are we doing? We're trying to subdue the weeds. And that is part of what this word means. It's to bring order to the chaos that is part of our world after, after the fall. And so that's our experience of it. And we can do 10,000 more examples of what it means. So we're to tame or to bring to order. So this emphasis and domain and subdue is on rule. So humanity is to rule. Now, so here's how I translated um, chapter one, 
verses 26 to 28. I got it up there for you now, I think. Man, you are good. Joel is good. So God said, let us make man as our stand-in to rule, 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 rule over everything. And I did that because it's a repetition. Uh, He says, have dominion over the fish, rule, birds, rule, livestock, rule, earth, rule over everything. All right, so uh, rule, 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 rule. Um, everything. So God made man in his stand-in, male and female, and he told them, flourish and rule, rule, rule over everything. So that's, that sounds like we should be ruling to me, to us, right? Okay, all right, so there we go. So we are to rule, we are to rule on his behalf. All right, pick it up, verse 31. Pick it back up, verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Okay, so God's the creator. We're at the point at the end of the, end of the six days, everything is really, really good. This is very good. Not just good, but very good at this point in the created order. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Then, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in Creation. So putting this all together, um, so this is what happened. God worked the first week, and then man is to take over from him in the second week and thereafter. So he's given us a pattern. He's showing us what it's to look like. He's showing us what it looks like to rule. We could go back and look at chap, uh, chapter one and the be- verses one uh, through uh, up to 26, and we'd find out this is how you are to rule. And we could, so he's saying, I did it this way, now you do it. So he did the first week, and then he says, okay, now it's your turn. You do it, you, can, you do the ruling now. So that's what we have here. So putting it all together, here's the three points. God created man, male and female, on the earth to rule in his place. All right, pretty simple. God created man on earth to rule in his place. Okay, so what does that have to do with mean, what it means to be a man? So before we get there, are there any questions at this point? Are there any questions you have, any thoughts that's kind of already going through your head? Uh, any, whatever, anything? Okay, I've done something. Okay, here we go. Thank you, Shane. It's pointing us where? And why do you say that? Okay. Yeah. So we have a, we have we are living in a, a a a world that is in opposition to him and to his well 
in opposition to his rule and ultimately in opposition to those in whom he has made as vice regents or to rule on his behalf. And ultimately, what is it doing? It's pointing us towards we need a ruler who is a really good ruler, and that's where we're headed. So that's, I'm, I'm glad you're thinking in, the, in these terms because ultimately, we know what happened. You know, we, know the, we know the next two chapters, and we know the failure there. But in that, there is, there's this ruler that's gonna come who's going to do something amazing. So we'll get there in just a minute. So I appreciate you kind of thinking in, in, in those terms, okay? Anything else before we, before? Yeah, Josh. Yes. Okay, so humanity. Yeah, I don't know how that would work out. I mean, obviously, yeah, I don't know exactly how that works out in terms of we are all as human beings called to rule. And if we would have done that well, what that would have looked like and how that would have worked. We do know this, and we'll talk about this in a minute here. We, we have realms of which God is calling us to in which we are to rule. And in those realms, I... There's gonna be places of authority because we now know, you know, we come to the New Testament and we come, we discover, yeah, there's places of authority. There's gonna be employers and employees, that kind of a, kind of a relationship. Uh, but we're gonna do it in a way that's gonna be reflective of who God is. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think everybody's gonna rule something. Everybody's gonna have some kind of realm in which they're gonna rule. I think that would be a safe place, to, safe place to say. And it doesn't mean that we won't be leading others. Of course, and we're going to see that in just a minute here with a woman, uh, that we are as, as rulers are to be leading. So it's in that case, but we're going to be doing it in such a way that is reflective of the king of whom we are ruling in, in behalf of. Yes. Yeah, I think, yeah. And I think, and let's, let's define that word patriarchal. So that's a weird, that's a word that we don't use. It, it's father rule. It's father rule. That's what that means. So there's this, there's this God has set this up to have a father rule. It, it's interesting you think about the Trinity and in the Trinity, the father rules over the son. That's weird. Because we do, what do we know at the very end? The son actually, after everything has been submitted to him, he gives that all over back to the father. So this isn't antithetical to be call father rule or patriarchal as somehow um, being oppressive because that doesn't happen within the Trinity. It actually is something that is God has intended, the father intended to have this, this father rule. And so this becomes the uh, paradigm, if you will, of our relationships within our families, relationships within, because we do see a patriarchal kind of system that we have within the, within the Old Testament. We're, we're so, that word is such a, you know, buzz killer or whatever. Uh, it's scary to say it, but it's, it is the way God has set things up. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, right. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's good. And that's a good emphasis to make that this is, none of this is for us to just use willy-nilly the way we think that it should look. We continue to have to come back and say, okay, I, I, I have this relationship that I'm supposed to have with my wife, this relationship I have with my children, this relationship with my employees, that kind of a thing. All of this has to be understood as, yeah, I'm to lead. I have a realm in which I am to lead in and to rule over, but it is not in, it, it, again, it has to be reflective of several things. One, how he, God, our father would rule. And secondly, it has to be with an understanding. This isn't mine just to play with. This is something that has to be always in submission to the word of God, always submission to what, how he's revealed himself to us. So, yeah. Yeah, right, 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 right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've done it. Yeah, you've done it wrong. You've done it wrong? Okay, well, I don't know what you're talking about, but okay. It's good. David's got one more thing to say and then we got to move on. Yeah. That, that's session two. That's session two, but okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it is very fascinating. That's where we'll go in session two. Okay, let's move on. All right. So, okay, so here we go. Let's begin at, uh, where are we at? Uh, oh, ch- chapter two, sixth day. Uh, we're now in the, that sixth day, uh, two, verse four. Here we go. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God had made the heaven and earth. Now, I just... Before we read on, you got to look at that word in the ESV. So if you have an ESV, you see these are the generations. Uh, this is from the roots Hebrew word meaning to bear or to beget. Okay, this will mean this will have meaning in a minute here. This is a word repeated throughout Genesis to introduce an account of a particular descendant. So you'll see this word throughout Genesis talking about a particular descendant that's coming from a particular individual. But if you notice here, it says these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. So it's saying, how did the male and the female, how, how were they created? They, they, descended from, uh, they descended from the heaven and the earth in some way. Okay, so it's an account of how they came from creation, namely the man and woman, and it's a particular account of their, of their creation, and it's in those particulars, actually, that we learn a lot. 
So I think it's important. It's in the particulars of how the male was created, how the female was created, that is important, particularly important to us as men. So look at verses five and seven. When no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work on the, the ground and the mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. So now we know that this is speaking just of the male, right? This is just the male. And again, don't miss the prerogative of the creator. It's God who did it. He, God formed the male. God formed the male. And this, the mean, this means we are to, this means that we're to then form our understanding around how he formed us, okay? So men, are made from what? Dirt. We are of the earth. Hmm. We are of the creation. Now keep reading uh, verses eight and nine. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and there he put the man in whom he had formed and out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, I'm gonna skip verse eight and, and verse nine. Look at verse nine. Verse nine is really setting this up for uh, verses 15 through 17. So, so we know there's a tree that's been created, two trees in the midst of the garden, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's really setting us up for verse 15. The Lord God took the man, this is the male, and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the male saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, including the tree of life. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat it, eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, what we have here is we have how God relates to humanity because this is these verses here, 15 through 17, is what is called the covenant of works. Covenant of works. A covenant is a, is a bond in blood sovereignly administered. Okay, so a covenant is a bond in blood that is sovereignly administered. So that's what we have here. So we, 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 a covenant is a, so it's a bond in blood and what is, what is in the blood? Well, what's in the blood is life. And so what he's saying here, there is this, bind, this binding going on here and it's, it's a death bond. It's a life and death bond. Um, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what's gonna happen? You're gonna die. So there's our, there's our bond that is ultimate. A covenant is sovereignly administered and that's what God has done with Adam, the male. He's given him this covenant, and in this covenant is a covenant of works. It's one that do all these things, but don't do this one thing. Um, now, this, so this, this is the first command, matter of fact, we find in Scripture. This is the first command, verses 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded, this is the first time we see that word, commanded the man, saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, uh, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, 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 for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So if you obey, you have life. If you disobey, you have death. Now look at what God does, verses 18 through 20. 
Then God, the Lord God, Yahweh God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. And then the man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam or the male, there was not found a helper fit for him. So big, big picture concept here. The commission to rule is given first to the male. Men were made to rule. Men were made to be lords. Lords of the earth. And this, this is just part of the created order. All right? So it's given first to males to rule. Um, so now, while none of us have the unique uh, position of Adam and Eve did, nevertheless, we have our own part of, the, of this, this mandate that God is giving here. As a man in God's image, you are his representative over some part of his creation. So like Adam, you have, so back to your, you know, your, your fill-in here if you want to. Back to it is, one, capability from God. Number one, you have capability from God. Capability from God. You are made in God's image with a capability. Capability. Cap-ability. You're wondering how to spell it. You're made in God's image with capability. Secondly, you've been given authority from God. You've been given authority from God. Authority. You want to know how to spell it? Authority. Authority. Three, responsibility for your realm or realms. Responsibility for your realm or realms. There's an expectation for orderliness and productivity of each of our realms, and they depend upon us. So responsibility for your realm or realms. And then number four, accountability. Accountability to God. Accountability, just like Adam's decisions and labors, so ours will one day be judged by God. So this goes back to what you were saying, um, and, and, that is Jake, and that is that um, we'll be responsible how we, we, we rule. So we can't just rule any way we, we want to. We have to always have a come within the context of the word of God and how does God intend for me to rule. But we're to rule and we will, you know, we will one day stand before God and the amount of investing or lack of investment that we put into the realm that we have, we will be held accountable for that. Boy, that would have been good for me to know when I was growing up, you know? That would have been really good for me to be thinking about when I was going, you know, going from high school to college and, or, you know, that would have been that kind of responsibility. I had no clue that God is going to be holding me responsible. He, he's made me capable. So that's, that's the other piece of it, is that you are all capable of ruling in the realm that God has placed you in because you're made in the image of God. And so you're capable. You have been given authority from God to be doing it. You are responsible to do it and you will be held one day accountable for it. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's good stuff to know. So we don't fritter away our time. 
All right, so your, your personal realm includes all that's, your, that's in your charge, everything for which you have some responsibility, part of, part of God's physical world, your possessions, your finances, your friends, your body, all the talents that you possess, the opportunities you encounter as you live out your life. Uh, if you're married or have a family, your personal realm includes your wife and your children. All of these are to be ruled by you for God's glory. So here we go. Let's make it a little bit practical. I think I have that at the, bo- at the bottom here. Um, think of two different areas within your personal realm and try to think of one area which involves people and another area which involves only things. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to name that item within your realm and then I want you to identify the responsibility in this area and then I, what would be a God-honoring lordship look like in that area? So that's what you need to be thinking about right now. So what you're going to do is you're going to do that right now. So I'm gonna give you about five minutes, maybe 10, whatever it takes. You can talk to your neighbor if you, need, if you know your neighbor, uh, get to know your neighbor. If, if you're a yes. So the young men, some examples. Okay, so... Uh, so in your realm, uh, young men, I'll think I immediately go to athletics. So if you're, if you're the realm that you are, if you're on a team, that is part of your realm that you will be, you're going to be in. And so you have a role to play in that realm. And so you're going to be asking yourself, who am, I, who am I responsible for in that realm? And then how am I to be building into that person, making them more fruit, fruitful? That would be one place. Another realm would be just a classroom. So if you're in a particular classroom, so this would go down to now we got some, we got some kids here who maybe not in sports just yet in that, in that scene, but you've got a classroom that you're part of. Uh, what's, you know, you've got, a, you've got, there's girls in your classroom that you have to be, you're responsible for. Uh, there's the teacher that you're responsible for and how you respond to that teacher. Uh, there are, how are you going to do it in such a way that will be honoring to, honoring to God? Okay, does that, does that work? Got any others? Anybody else got some good examples? Give, yeah, give me, some, give me some other examples. That was mine on top of my head. Anybody else got some examples? Oh, a room. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I forgot about that one. <laughs> I still have a daughter at home. She should, well, she's not a male, so I'll, I'll give her some credit there, but oh my goodness. Any others? That was a, yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, that's a, that's a really easy, you got walls you can even look at and understand. Any other examples? Yeah, Alex. Okay. How much time are you spending? Yeah, what, what, are you, what are you thinking about? What do you, what's, your, what's, what's constantly in, in your head? Yeah, that's good, yeah. Okay, give, take, few, take just a few, oh yeah, we got another one, I see. Okay, all right, and, and that's, that's exactly right. So that's what I want you to be thinking about. Just think about, just think about a few, and then we're gonna give a few more examples. So I'm gonna give you just about five minutes to think about what is a realm that you are in, uh, and yes, you are thinking absolutely correctly in terms of our head, our bodies, those are realms. Uh, so think in terms of those those ways. Okay, so five minutes, here we go, go. What? Phone, a phone, like P-H-O-N-E, cell phone, is that what you're saying? Yeah, phone, yeah. 
Mm. Interesting. Are you ruling your phone or is it ruling you? Ooh, yowza. Okay, no more ideas until five minutes. <laughs> Stop. All right, you got one more minute.
Okay, give me some examples. What are some examples that you came up with? Here we go. What? Finances, okay. You got you uh, get more specific now for us. What part of your finances needs to be ruled? Okay, so the weight. Okay, so our finances, I'm going to just repeat so everybody can hear you. Our finances is a, is a realm or a place of a resource it's really within the realm of our home, and within that realm of our home, our finances are a resource that needs to be thoughtfully worked out. Because you said intentional, um, and, and I think if we're unintentional, we're, we're going to fall into what you said before, which is becomes, it becomes a, a resource for selfishness or for self. So we have to be thinking through how are we using our resources in such a way that will be reflective of the king, reflective of his kingdom, which is an, an invisible kingdom and it's an eternal kingdom. So that would be a place or a resource or a, a piece of what we need to be doing in terms of our realm. Is that a fair expression of what you're saying? Okay. Okay, good. Let's do it. What's another one? Yeah. Morgan. Okay. Liturgy, did you say? Okay, I'm curious. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. Okay orders their loves and desires correctly. So the realm we're talking about is a realm of your marriage and the realm ultimately of your family if you, when you have children. And you see Ephesians 5 as a call upon our king that we are to order, in, and I love the word you use there, to order her affections correctly. So, and you, you use, you see liturgy as a powerful means to do that. Would that be a fair way of describing it? Catechism. Devotions, yeah. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, really good. Yeah, Josh. Right, to treasure, to cherish. Those are good words. Nurture, it's a great word, yeah. Okay, good. What other realm besides those, those realms of our home that you came up with? Most everybody was thinking home. Does anybody work here? Okay, worker project. We do have one worker in the, in the room. The rest of us are just kind of hanging out. So, so what's that look like? 
I mean, what's that mean to mean for you? Are you are you sole proprietor? Are you? Yeah, I know you are. Are you working for somebody, or are you working for yourself? Okay, so you work for somebody else. So how do you? What's your realm in that in that context? We're working for somebody else. Okay. Okay. Okay, okay, excellent. Everybody hear that? Yeah, okay, so you spend more time there probably than home and you're to, and so the space he's talking about is the workspace that he has. He works for somebody else, pipe fitter, pipe fitter, pipe fitter, yeah. Um, but there's a space there of which is his realm of which he's going to make it orderly. He's going to make it at that, which is going to be reflective in terms of his relationship with the other people that he's working with in such a way that reflects the king in that, that, that realm, that, that place, that physical place that you're in. Okay, good. Anybody else? Does anybody else work and thought of that? Yes, okay, good. Yeah, so be just be reflective of the king, both in action and then ultimately in words in such a way that the kingdom is being pressed out by the very little realm that you're in at this point that's gonna hopefully be pressing out more and more and more. Because what we're gonna see in the husbandry is that God intends for us to press out, intends for us to be creative and to be cultivating and to be pressing out uh, and to be fruitful. And so we have that word, but okay, we're in the session two now. Session two, but we're not there yet. So yeah, good. So if you, please take this seriously, okay? Take, think through your realms and realize you are going to be responsible. If you don't take, take time to think this through purposefully, whatever it is, in the realms you are, you're still gonna be held accountable. So you might as well be thinking about it and being very intentional about, okay, what's my realms? What are the places that God is calling me to rule and how am I going to rule in such a way that's taking what God has given me, the good gifts that God has given me and to use them in such a way that will reflect the kingdom of God? Because I, <clears throat> we're, we are gonna be judged by this, by what we do with those realms. So that's, um, please take this, uh, please take it seriously. Okay, emotions. So, Okay, learning how to control our emotions. Yeah, so there are, our, now we're getting into our, our physical realm of our bodies and you know, our head space we've been talking about earlier. That's a realm of a place of which, yeah, we are responsible to how we're gonna, how we're gonna manage that. So yeah, good. All right, let's move on. I wanna finish this. We're almost done with this session. We'll give you an opportunity to get up and get out and move around a little bit, get some more donuts or whatever you wanna do. But here, here, I just want you to be thinking about this. Why is God honoring manly lordship so important to God why is this so important to him? And why is it so feared by the enemy, by, by Satan? So here's two reasons. Um, so easy question here. As the revealed word of God reflects on the story of God, uh, did, did we as a humanity, did we as a people, did we fall 
because of Eve or did we fall because of Adam? Easy, easy question. Adam, okay, Adam, how do you know that? Who said, who said it? Oh, yeah, over here, okay, Adam, uh-huh. How do you know he's responsible for it? <laughs> the scripture says so, the Bible says so. Yes, that's, that's a good answer. What? Yeah, 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 good answer, good answer. Okay, so we know that he was given the command before he, and what happens, we know chapter three, we haven't, we're not there yet, but what happens with chapter three when the, uh, the Lord is walking in the cool of the day, where does he go? Where are you? Where are you? Like God didn't know. Where are you? And who does he go to? He goes to Adam. He's talking to Adam. So Adam is looked upon as 100% responsible for what happened in there, even though we can say we understand that the woman was contributed to the, to the issue and he contributed to the issue. Ultimately, when God said, you rule, you're 100% responsible. So that's, that's important to keep in, keep in mind here that we're responsible. Now, okay, so I want to, I want to turn to Romans 5 and, and again, getting at the question, why is this so important to God and why is, it so, why is the enemy creating this chaos in our culture now, particularly a chaos of gender dysphoria and all this kind of stuff. Why is the enemy so pressing on this? Well, here's reason. Romans chapter five, um, look at verse 12. The enemy knew that through the male, a, a Lord would come. So once sin entered the, into the world, and, and so what did he do? He, he, he needed to overthrow, the enemy needed to overthrow the father's, the God's rulership, the father's rulership that was being given through the co-regent to Adam. He needed to overthrow that. He did it in a very deceptive way. He used the woman, he kind of went around and but he also knows that it's, it's absolutely important that it continues, this male leadership continues, so he's trying to get rid of it for this reason. Okay, so verse, verse 12, here we go, uh, Romans 5. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. All right, now go down to verses 15 and 17. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, Adam, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abound for many. All right, so Romans 5, 12, verses, and then 17 and 18 puts 100% responsibility on the man, on the male, on Adam for sin. The male and the female both contributed to its reality, but the 100% of responsibility is on the man because he was called to rule in obedience to God. Okay? Now, Westminster Shorter Catechism. That's up there now. The covenant being made with Adam, not only for himself, but for his posterity, all mankind descending from him by ordinary generations sinned in him and fell with him in first transgression. Let that soak for just a minute. Okay. Thus, another man, a male, needs to come in perfect obedience. The failure of the first Lord, Adam, plunged mankind into sin and misery, but God, being rich in mercy, made a promise of redemption, a promise handed down through men of his people, just as the curse was. Okay, 
So through the work of the Son of Man, we are reconciled to the Father and become sons of God, fitted to rule on his behalf as Adam should have. All right, so the reason Satan hates the lordship of men is that he knew that another Lord was coming who would undo what had been done, okay? So when the fall occurred, he knew it all was going to bank upon, if he was gonna be successful, it was gonna be banked upon whether or not men were going to be lords. And so he, from that point on, is at it, is after men. It's to, to break down their lordship. Because he knew there was gonna be one that was gonna come. The only one was gonna take only one man who was gonna be perfectly obedient as Lord, who was gonna undo everything he had done. And so that's why he was after men. And he's always been after men. He's after men before Christ. Christ came and was what we should have been. Yeah, okay. But he's still after men. It's not like he gave up. And the reason he didn't give up is he hates men ruling because it is through their lordship that God continue to, intends for redemption to occur. In other words, within the realm of the household of fathers who rule well. So he now knows, okay, the Lord has come. He has been the one who took care of the curse. Now everybody who's gonna benefit from the blessing of the cross um, they're going to receive it through the family, through the succession of families that are led by men. And, and so, you know, we, we talk about the ordinary ways that our children should come to faith in Jesus Christ is, should be within our families. That the, probably the, the best example of what God intended is that you have a child who someone says when they're adults, say, when did you come to faith? They say, I don't know. I don't know when I came to faith because Jesus was always my Lord because that's all I ever knew about Jesus, that he was Lord and King and Savior. And that's just an ordinary means of which God intended. Now, of course, Men have failed in their lordship and as a result of their realm of their family. And so many children haven't heard the gospel. And so they hear it later. And then somebody says, when did you come to faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You say, oh, I was, you know, somebody told me about him and I came to faith in Jesus Christ and I have a day and, you know, kind of a, kind of a feel to it. But that's not the ordinary way that God intended it. He actually intended it through our families. Um, so that's why he's after you. He is after you because he intends for you as a male God intends for you as a male to be raising up uh, a family in the gospel, a family home in the gospel. Um, so that's why the enemy's after you. That's why the enemy's doing what he's doing right now, um, trying to destroy men and this idea. Okay, so um, yeah, last thing. Covenantal institution, Deuteronomy chapter six. Deuteronomy chapter six. Did I put that up there? Oh yeah, I did. Good, cool. So Deuteronomy chapter six, and we'll just, we'll just end with this. This is God's intention. See, hear, O Israel, Yahweh our God, Yahweh is one. You shall love Yahweh your God with all your hearts and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you and when you rise. It's just a normal, ordinary, daily, uh, moment by moment 
teachable moments, you're just talking about God and you're talking about your Lord. You're talking about Yahweh and just what, who he is and what he's done in your life. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as front, frontlets between your eyes. It's just always on your mind. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house. People know when they walk into your house, boy, there's something different about this house and on your gates. There's something different about the landscaping <laughs> um, so that it reflects Jesus Christ. Um, so that's what this is. That's what this is about. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Mm. Mm. That's good. Okay, so, so let's, I just wanna ask you this question. So if we don't hear that, what, what's your concern there of not hearing that? Justification, you mean? Okay, yeah, okay, good. Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, good. And that, that, that's the, the, the restore, that's the grace of God of the restoration of your life in such a way that now he is uh, restoring your story in such a way, you know, so, so we have this heavy story behind us before Christ and, and that can continue to haunt us, but he said, I got a new haunting for you. And it is that I'm your Lord, you're my, you're my, I'm your father and you're my child. And now I'm restoring you to a new kind of rule, a rule that will break away from your past story. And so, so yeah, I, I think my fear is that if we don't hear what you just said there, my fear is that you guys all walk in and you're like, I gotta try harder. I've gotta, you know, I've gotta somehow, it's all about me now doing this and it's not. It's about, he has already done everything you need to help you now move forward. So as you're looking at your realm, so when I tell you to say, be serious about this and look at the various realms, um, part, of, part of it is we're, we're afraid to fail maybe. And so we don't want to look at our realms because, oh, you know, but we can stare at those and know, hey, that's your realm. God's given it to you. And he's actually restoring you to do something really wonderful in that place and have an imagination of what could, what could happen there.